This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, friends, beloved of God. I hope you're enjoying a beautiful autumn day. Stacy here. And it's just me in the studio today, but I am imagining your faces sitting with me here, and I'm so glad to have this time with you. I want to open up our time together by praying together, and I'm going to pray for us, but in the first person, so you can make it personal to you. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you fill me anew with your presence? Would you breathe fresh life into me and wash me with your living waters? Let the dust of life be washed away in your river of peace and bring refreshment and excitement to my spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, to begin. Almost two years ago now, I was going through the bills and found one from Target in John's name. And I was, I was pretty surprised by that. And I opened up the bill and I found out that my husband had gone on a shopping spree. It was for about eight men's shirts and four pairs of pants. And I was surprised by a number of reasons because, um, to my knowledge, John had never stepped foot in a Target before. And I didn't know about the secret shopping penchant that he had. So when I approached him about it, I learned that indeed it wasn't him. He had never been to Target. He hadn't made these purchases. And uh, anyway, you know what happened. I'm sure you have stories like this of your own. But when I called Target to get the matters cleared up, I learned that the application for this credit card had been made in person. The man who had applied for it had John's social security number and a driver's license in his name. Wow. Identity theft. It is rampant. And friends, Satan's number one tool against you, against me, it's identity theft. He comes to steal from us, to steal us from understanding and walking in and owning who we really are. So I want to spend a little time with you now and just remind us of the truth of who we are in Christ, beginning with 1 John 1, verse 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. We belong to God. We are His. And as such, we have been granted all the rights, all the favors, all the legality of being sons and daughters. We have been grafted in. We have been adopted as His sons and daughters. We have all of the adoption privileges. We can run into the arms of our Father. He says in Revelations, come up here. Come up here and meet with me where he sits and rules and reigns. 
I want to talk a little bit about adoption because the readers and the listeners at the time the scriptures were written, and for many years later, would have understood better than most of us the privileges of adoption. In Roman times, a person adopting someone into their family needed to have seven witnesses' signatures on the statement of adoption as people who would have an influence over the person's life in training the child to rise up as an heir of the family. The child would go through a training period until they rose into the stature of the parent with the ability to operate in the full weight of family matters. Jesus refers to the seven spirits of God, and there are many interpretations of what they are, what they mean, and actually I'm not clear on it. But what is clear is that they are sent to train and to help us. See, you know it. We too are being trained. We're being sanctified. We are being transformed into the very likeness of God. We're being prepared to rule and to reign with him in his kingdom, to operate in the full weight of family matters. In Roman laws, when a transaction was done through adoption from one family to another, the judge would take a damp cloth and wipe the parchment of the old life of the one being adopted into the new family. He would wipe it clean. And remember in those days, there wasn't permanent ink. When he wiped the parchment clean, the name and all it contained was obliterated, wiped off completely, made totally clean. All their past life ceased to exist. So in court, and hear me on this, in court, any information about the person's old life was canceled and could not be recalled again. Friends. The old has gone. The new has come. I want to read Colossians 2, beginning at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Your old nature, my old nature, has been removed. It is dead. It is extinct. And it cannot be used against us. It cannot be recalled again. It is finished. You remember on the cross, Jesus' final words were, It is finished, which means to be complete, to accomplish, to put an end to, to make perfect. His exact words in Hebrew were hala. Let me tell you about what that means, because this is awesome. The Hebrew word for bride is hala or kala. I'm not sure how you say it better. It comes from the root word that means to finish, to complete, to prepare, to make perfect in the sense of totality. See, the father or the father-in-law whose son was getting married would call his new daughter-in-law kala. 
She was completing the family. She was coming in and making it perfect, finishing it. She is the bride. From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He said, it is kala. It is bride. Truth and mercy have met and kissed. The righteous requirements have been met. The price has been paid. She is now mine. It is finished. Friends, we can say, I am my beloved's. I have a new name. He calls me mine. We are his church. We are his bride. We are united with Jesus. We get to live. We are meant to live in intimate communion with him. How beautiful is it that your new life is empowered by the very faith of the Son of God who loves you so much that he gave his life for you and dispenses his life into you. You know that accessing Christ's life in you is not simply about a one-moment encounter when you were born again and came into faith. Rather, he is continually dispensing his life into you. Even now, in this moment, his life is expanding inside of you. And the more consciously you turn into that, the more you'll become aware of this reality. This is going to be kind of heavy with scripture today, but, oh man, it's so great for me to read it, and it's so good for us to hear it. So let's remember who Jesus is. This is Colossians 1, starting in 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Oh, I gotta say, I love that last part. This has been a season, and maybe there are always seasons. Yeah, I guess there always are, where the enemy seems to be quite busy with his accusation, whispering who I am and who I'm not, and certainly that's going on with the people that I love and are close to me. And here, here is the truth, that because of Christ, there is, there is no accusation. We are free from accusation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So today, let the truth of who we are 
in Christ, because of what he has done for us, saturate our beings. This is how we renew our minds, by, by dwelling on the truth. We are his bride. He had his eye fixed upon us while he was on the cross. I want to shift a little bit and just to remember together where Jesus is now. Where Jesus is now. So where is Jesus now? There, you just answered it. I know. You just said it out loud in your car or wherever it is that you're listening. Well, Colossians 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, there's so many verses about him being seated. Ephesians 1 and 20 and Luke 22, 69. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Colossians 3, 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Okay. I only have about 15 more, but I'm not going to do it. Um, they're fabulous. Anyway, it gets, it gets the point across, right? Hebrews 10, 12. But when Christ had offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down, past tense. It symbolizes that it is done, right? It is finished. It is complete. It's perfected. And so that's where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God. And next question is, and in the spiritual realms, where are we? Where are you? Well, you know the answer there too. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Or another version, he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We are seated. Again, that is past tense. We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.20 but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And that means that we have all the privileges of citizens of heaven. We have the rights of entrance into the throne room. We get to come. It's why we can now move in power and authority because it is done. It is finished and it is untouchable. Colossians 2 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. These truths that we are the beloved of God, that we are the apple of his eye, that we are his kala, we are his bride. This is what puts the, the wind in our sails. It's what brings us encouragement in the moments where we are soaring and in the moments when we can't barely get off the ground. We turn our gaze. We flick them even for a moment in his direction and we remember. And now we are remembering together who we are. 
chosen and dearly loved by the King of all. Colossians 1, 25-27 says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, friends, hearing these scriptures helps to activate our spirits back into a place of truth, the truth of who we are now, who you are now. Galatians says our old nature is removed. I have been co-crucified with Christ, and now we live in union as one. The invitation to live from that place is to is to cease striving to become good, but instead to rest in his love, to sit down on the inside in the full realization of these truths. And as you do, your awareness will awaken. It will awaken to experience the reality that you are a new creation made of the very substance of God. And as you sink into and own more that reality, your external reality will transform. The way we experience our lives, the more we know who he is, the more we know who we are to him, oh, it floods our being and then exudes, exudes from every aspect of our being. We want to understand what Jesus did on the cross. He birthed a new creation and the dream of his heart, which was you. So there's no need to struggle and strive in order to become someone or something or to become seated. The answer is just to trust, to trust in what Jesus has accomplished, to rest in what he says. It's about believing, not struggling believing in what Jesus has done. And then we move from struggle and striving back into grace simply by believing his unconditional love. So that is my prayer today, that even as these words are being spoken out, that it disarms the accusation, that the fire of his love burns off everything that's been coming against your heart saying that it's not true for you. Because it is true for you. You are the one he loves. And the oneness with Christ, that is our reality. We are a new creation. We are a completely new species. We've entered into the mystical union in Christ. It is, it is the greatest gift we could ever have. When in this moment, we turn our consciousnesses back to Jesus, our minds, our thoughts back to him in affection, in adoration, we begin to experience him again. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So breathe him in. Breathe him in even now. Take a deep breath. He is your breath. We want to drink in his life 
his river of life. Every moment it is available to us. And when we drink him in, we're allowing the divine exchange to happen. And as we do, it enlarges our capacity to see him as he really, as he really is. Our heart expands to receive him, to know him, to believe him. Your heart becomes ever more alive and awakened. And this becomes a place of deep intimacy with him as we enjoy the wonder of what he has done. It is finished. You are the Kala of God. You are his bride. You are his beloved forever. We want to say no to identity theft because the truth is we won't, we won't work right until we align ourselves with what heaven says about us. So even in this moment, I just want to encourage you to pause and center the focus of your heart on God's presence. Right now, right now, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we turn our attention to you. We want to know in more fullness the reality of who you are and who we are because of what you've done. So in this moment, we just let all the cares of the world fall away. We lay them down at your feet. All the distractions, just be silenced as we set our heart towards you, as we become aware of your life in us. Jesus, you are preeminent. You are our priority. You, you are first. You are everything. You are above all. And we give you access to the secret chambers of our heart. We give you our lives. You are the Lord of all. And we ask God that you would um, speak to us clearly about who we are to you this day. And friends, I want to encourage you that when God does say things to you or, or give you little love notes, little gifts, a song, a word from a friend, something that speaks to your heart personally, write it down. Write it down. Get a journal so that you can hold on to it and then flip back and, and remind yourself of these truths. And if you have someone that you can share them with, speak it out loud. It is finished. You are the Kala of God. I want to close our time in praying just once more for us. Father, Father, Abba, I ask that you would fill me afresh today with your spirit so that I might experience the reality of your love again. Remind me of who I am in you. Give me faith, joy, and hope for the more that you want to bring to my life. I ask that you bless this process, fill me with hunger, and illuminate the eyes of my heart so that I may experience supernatural oneness with you. It's in Jesus' name, the name of my beloved. 
that I pray. Friends, thank you for joining me today. This was kind of a deep dive, at least into the scriptures. And I caught myself. I only read half of them. (laughs) But it's really fun to dive into. And I just encourage you to look it up yourself. Look up. Spend time in the Word about who am I in Christ? What does He say? Anyway, may you be blessed, you who have captivated the heart of the King. Till next time.